What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for tuning into the show today. We have a wonderful episode. Uh, before we jump into it, however, a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that's based in London, but is incredibly fortunate to host shows from across the world, from uh, Australia, Japan, London, Paris, and... Um, the US and various places within the UK so we're really really excited by our just awesome awesome lineup and uh, we'd love for you to check us out so please feel free to uh, check us out at blueandgreenradio.com where you'll find our never ending radio stream broadcasting 24 hours a day and you can find the full backlist catalogue of the Blue in Green podcast which takes us to our episode today, episode 89, uh, which is, these are getting to be exciting numbers, they really are. Uh, today's episode sees us continue um, with our really fortunate and awesome run of uh, shows uh, celebrating the music of Futuristica, and um, they, they've become great friends to the, the station, and we're we're continually kind of uh, proud and excited and thrilled to be able to have that dynamic with them we get to talk to so many of their artists from Simon S uh, to Deborah Jordan Nathan Thomas Georgie Sweet as Valet Lanote we're super super lucky Um, and today we get to talk to so uh, a, a key component to kind of what Futuristica uh, represents, their their music, their output, and uh, particularly uh, within their just amazing run uh, since 2020, and uh, we're talking about Mark Rapson. Now Futuristica have had the, uh, the wonderful distinction this year of celebrating their 15th year in music, and um, as part of that, celebration they're revisiting uh past album releases uh from their wonderful catalogue and uh this episode sees us look at mark rapson's dark versus light which uh, this year uh saw its expanded edition released in physical copies for the first time with bonus track songs that were recorded in the sessions all those years ago and kind of now included on this ultimate kind of expanded edition of the album which is fantastic and it's awesome to kind of have the chance to sit down with Mark and discuss uh, this album after all these years and and also his input into um, the music that Futuristica have been putting out as we said we um, we've marveled at their their output over the last year and so much of that spearheaded by the um, the anthemic uh, I'll see you again and Mark Rapson is the kind of the architect of the music of that that song uh, he's gone on to do uh, wonderful music with Deborah Jordan and um, and Sun Circle and uh, appearances on Georgie Sweet's album and Nathan Thomas's album 
a remix for La Note as well. He's just been, uh, no pun intended, an instrumental in so much of their, they're just incredible music. So this is uh, kind of the, the missing link, I think, in terms of the conversations that we've had with futuristic artists, because Mark's, his name has appeared in almost every single conversation that we've had. So it's awesome to have uh, the, the opportunity to sit with him. Also to sit with him for as long as we did, uh, it's always awesome to kind of be able to, to have that time and to just pick someone's brain for uh, as long as they're willing to, <laughs> to let me. So uh, yeah, we talk about the album, we talk about um, his, his, his run in the business and how far back uh, it goes into um, Ben Westbeach's first album. We talk about him touring various parts of the world with Ben Westbeach and Jose James, no less. Uh, and then we talk about um, kind of plans for the future, uh, his his part in that label and kind of his key moments um, with, with the label and it's an amazing artist. So this is a great, great conversation. If you're a fan of Futuristica, uh, this is certainly one for you. If you're a fan of contemporary soul r&b future soul music i think again this is a a wonderful mind to kind of to to access and see how he does things we also talk about a shared fandom for jd as well which is really exciting so um yeah i've I've talked about this a lot so we'll uh we'll say no more and we'll we'll jump straight in uh regular listeners of the podcast will know uh that we feature two songs uh for per episode uh, our guest, in this case Mark, will pick our closing number, but I have the luxury of our opening uh, track, and I'm going to pick something, obviously, from Dark vs. Light, and it's the it's a song that's long been my favourite from the album, and it is featuring the guest vocal of Miss Liz Alensky, and this is called Love Is All. Please go to Futuristica's Bandcamp page to purchase the album, uh, as well as anything from their revered catalogue, and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, friends.
I've just finished uh, like three three days with Georgie Sweet. <laughs> what a great opener! <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's it's been a bit of a yeah, it's been a bit of a magical three days to be honest. It's her early writing stages, I guess, is it? Or yeah, yeah, she's she, you know kind of writing stuff for her second album, mm. um, and just you know we've we've only really met kind of once, maybe twice. Um, so it's just to kind of hang out as well and kind of get to know each other a little bit. Because um, I, I, I think it makes a big difference when you, if you're working with an artist and you can actually spend some time in the studio with them, I think you, you get a very different result. Uh, so that's interesting. So the stuff that you had done for the Misunderstood album, you guys weren't, weren't together at any point? The only one that we did together was um, what I had done. Wow. And that came together in about two hours. Wow. It was um, a kind of seat of the pants. Um, it was the same. So I, I think I'd popped down to Bournemouth for maybe a kind of long weekend or maybe even a week, actually, um, in the summer holidays. And um, basically when my wife said it was OK. So <laughs> and, um, and I kind of hung out with, with Deb and Cy and, and Nath. And, um, and then they said, oh, you should probably meet Georgie. It's like, you know, you've done all this work with her, but you've never met. And um, I think in that day, we recorded the live video of Sorry. Yeah. And we also then recorded um, what I had done. It was kind of, yeah, throwing me in the deep end. I'd actually gone there to not do any music. I'd gone there just to kind of chill out, but it ended up being a very different affair. You went to Futuristica HQ thinking they wouldn't get you to do music. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I was obviously, I was, my head must have been in a very strange place. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine it was, a, it was a good thing that it happened, right? It was amazing. I think it's also the, it was also the, uh, the same time that the kind of nucleus of I'll See You Again happened as well. So it's a lot of magical things happened wow. over, that, over that time. Yeah. I certainly want to ask you lots of questions about that one. But, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, what is that kind of, when you, how do you find like, like a creative process? So, you know, you and Georgie have obviously set aside this time now to, all right, we've got, you know, two, three days, let's sit down and, and do something. Uh, mm. Is it, how, how easy a process is it when you, from an, I guess, to create when you have, very tight restrictions of okay we've only got this time together to do this yeah that's yeah that's a good question I think um we, we actually spent I mean I don't know how Simon S will feel about this but we actually <laughs> spent a lot of time on the first day just talking right so not much music as in creative like making stuff happened it was much more a kind of like tell me what you like what you know what are you into and, and that wasn't even exclusive to music that was you know we talked a lot about film and television as well mm. um and and you know and art and books and and all sorts of all sorts of stuff and i think that time allows you to kind of get into each other's heads a little bit um so that you can then get into the studio and and kind of go oh i think i think i've got an idea of what you might like mm. um i mean i did i because i've done stuff like this before where I've had an artist coming to me, I did have something up my sleeve. So there, there was a, a little chord sequence that I had, which I, I think only came to me like the morning of the first day, but before she'd arrived. Um, and I kind of WhatsApped it to her and said, you know, I've got this, what do you think? She was like, whoa, yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> so we already had something to work on. Um, but actually, as the days went on, I think we, we I started to really get to, kind of get, get to grips with what she was looking for um for what she's trying to achieve with the second 
this second project. So yeah, it's um, the, the the process changes. To be honest, I mean, I, I think I always have something ready to go, but I'm quite willing to scrap that and kind of go with the flow. Mm. If if something else arrives, then then we go that way. I suppose in the case of Georgie, I mean, you've you know you, you've you've done the songs for Misunderstood. You obviously you've heard all of Misunderstood. You you kind of at that point you've it's a good starting point, isn't it? And it's not really that much time since it's come out. And you know, I guess for her, she must be coming in with you know either wanting to capture certain elements or obviously take certain things into new directions. And you must have ideas based on what you've heard about what you think might sound good as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think my approach would is slightly different because it's it would be her record so you know for instance there there's also stuff in the pipeline for for my second record which awesome. i think will hopefully come out either end of this year or the beginning of next year Amazing. and i've already sent tracks to her for that but that's a, that's a different approach that's me kind of saying i've got this i think these are the themes can you can you write to that and you know and i've sent tracks to her and to nathan and to leno and to deb so hopefully they're all gonna, they're all going to feature on mine so that that approach is very different Amazing. from when she comes to me because i i want to kind of help her get what she wants and what right. she wants to achieve so yes of course i'm gonna try and bring my sound to it and my ideas but ultimately i'm, I'm kind of trying to channel them into what what she's looking for mm. um she, she was very helpful actually she's got a a, a spotify mood board um with loads of stuff that she's really into. Okay. So she, she sent that to me weeks ago and that kind of gave me a, a bit of an indication of the stuff that she's that she's into right now. Mm. Um, but also I played a tunes that she'd never heard. So that's, you, you kind of, you know, you, you bring you bring it to the table that way as well. I couldn't believe she'd never heard Free by Denise Williams. All right, which, wow. Which was, I was just like, how have you know? Because she loves that kind of era of stuff. I was like, how have right. you never heard this record? And then we did a bit more digging, and it turns out that it's produced by Maurice White and Charles Stepney. Amazing. And, she, and she's just like, oh, I love Earth and Fire. She's a big Earth and Fire. I, I know. Right. Yeah. And, I was, and then we went on a little journey of Earth and Fire for like 20 minutes. It's brilliant. <laughs> I thought the best song, well, excuse me, my favourite song uh, that you guys worked on for Misunderstood was Stories. That um, Everything about that is just perfect. It's such a gorgeous Thank song. You. How did you guys, is there any memories of, that you have of putting that one together? Everything about it is just immaculate, flawless I, song. Yeah, oh, thank you. I um, That for me was me trying, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you probably already realised from listening to some of my music, I'm, I'm massively inspired by Jay Diller. Yeah, I've so, got to ask you a whole portion of questions about that. Okay, <laughs> so st Stories was me kind of trying to get the, the, the kind of, like a Diller style beat with with the piano, um, you know, I, I like to I like to play stuff in, but imagine it's a sample. That's the kind of that's oh, cool. part of my my writing process. So the piano on on stories is me, um, but I've just taken a, a snippet of it and looped it, and then I've EQ'd it um, so that it becomes, you know, something that sounds like an older record but isn't. Mm. Um, and also it gets you out of copyright issues as well. So <laughs> that's, that's quite that's quite a boon as well. Uh, so that yeah, I, I just kind of wrote. It was literally just a beat, essentially. It's like a proper old school like hip hop style beat. Um, and I'm, I remember just sending it through to Simon S. And then I, I don't think I got it back for ages. I think I think it took quite a while. I can't remember. Maybe I've got that wrong, but. Um, I tend to do these things and send over bits and pieces to Simon S and then 
don't I just keep moving. I don't really I don't really try and report in and kind of go, well, what's going on with that one? I just right. wait until something's happened. Um, he's re- he's really good at kind of keeping the machine well oiled and getting things mm. moving. <laughs> so I kind of yeah, and then suddenly I've, there's you know I've got an email in my inbox and it's like fully vocaled. Um, wow. And and you know I mean George is just incredible. So it's it's I don't think I've ever been sent something that she's done for me that I'm just like no that's not right. Ev- everything is just golden. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of went yeah that's amazing. Send me the stems. I'll mix it down. Uh, and then, you know, I think at that point, generally, I'll, I might add a couple of things or put a few drops in and little kind of production points. But ultimately, you know, not, not much happens on that record. It's it's kind of a bit of a head nodder. Right. Um, so that, yeah, that one was, yeah, very a very remote recording thing. Comes like, wow. I did my bit, she did her bit. I, I did a little bit of kind of touching up at the end. And then that was it. That was the record. Amazing. It's a way well, it's a it's a gorgeous song. Really, everything about it. She's amazing on it she's really sounds flawless as well but a beautifully produced song yeah my favorite uh uh from from the album i think that and half human um i guess i guess a kind of a good jumping point really i mean kind of looking at your input i mean obviously your input with futuristicas spanned many years but there's something magical i guess about this last year was from 2020 everything that sort of deborah jordan's seen the dark album has sort of gone on to spearhead and uh, you've obviously been uh, no pun intended but instrumental in so much of, <laughs> of kind of the label's successes in that time uh, obviously nathan thomas's uh, still waters come out you had the lenote remix georgie's album your amazing reissue uh, for dark burst light i mean when you kind of look at the the current front line of uh, artists that sort of represent Futuristica and sort of your your input in that. I mean, how do you feel? That, you know, how 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 has the last year say say been for you when you've looked at the amount of projects that have come out? Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really proud of the output from the last year. It's um, it kind of makes me wish that I, we we hadn't spent ten years not doing much, which is it's essentially what happened. You know, we all kind of got busy doing other things, mm. and then. And then that all kind of came to a head, and then suddenly, Deb's got a, a, you know a few a few records for the for the Seeing the Dark album ready to go, and then I, I think it's I think it's when when she kind of put the vocals down for um, I'll See You Again that that was the moment that we were just like okay this is a real thing now, mm-hmm. um, and it just so happened that yeah I think I think I just became for me personally I became a bit more available. I think that's that's what it came down to. I, the previous ten years, I'd spent um, working uh, kind of like as a, a kind of course leader and program manager at a music college. So that that and, and also I've got two kids, so that mm. took up a lot of time. I mean, sure. I've still got two kids; they're just a lot. Older <laughs> so it's, it, you, know, do you know what I mean? They're easier to manage. Like right. when I was, you know, when, when they're like three and one, it's very difficult yeah. to to make a lot of music. But now, you know, they're nine and seven now, and um, you know, they. they They'll just come and chill in the studio with me, and, and like Ted, I mean Ted's essentially co-produced one of the tracks, um, <laughs> and he's he's only seven. So, and, and the other day actually, he was just like, "Oh, Daddy, can can I do some more stuff in the studio?" And I was like, "Yes, mate, of can." It's like whatever, you're like what do you want to do? But then he wants to make music like Rocket League, and I'm like, "Yeah, we can do that, but you know." What about some of this more soulful stuff? <laughs> but um, no, I mean, sorry, going back to the question, I, I think. We, we we saw we saw something in in the see in the dark album and i think georgie stuff was kind of being compiled around the same time um 
and I, and I think we, Simon and and myself just kind of went right. We 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 really want to expose the label and, and and level up if you like, and and let's 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 really go for it. Um, you know, none of us are getting any younger. I mean, Georgie's really young, but the rest of us are getting old. So <laughs> it's like you know, let's 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 really make a go of it. Um, and I think it's perhaps a kind of right place, right time thing where we, we you know we, we we're getting more. I think more reggae play now than we've ever had. It's, but then, the, the quality of the output is very seems very high. I think without trying to be too big headed about it, you know, if, if, if I can step back and be objective about it, I think I think all those albums that you just talked about are excellent. Mm, absolutely. Um, so and yeah, I think so. Yeah, sorry, I've rambled on a bit there. No, no, my gosh, that's what this is. <laughs> this uh, the space is for absolutely. Um, uh, I guess that's kind of a good jumping point. I mean, um, I'll see you again. It's going to, like, <laughs> I've got like a hundred questions for you. And it's really interesting. So <laughs> I've been so lucky to speak to uh, Deborah and Simon several times for these podcasts. And we, we always come back to this song and we talk about sort of all the elements that went into it. And Deborah talks about, you know, I'm so fortunate to kind of have these moments with them that, you know, they talk about, you know, when she recorded it and she thought the vocal wasn't going to be good enough because of, there was too much emotion in, in that for her in that moment. And Simon's like, no, this is perfect. And talked about your involvement, obviously, um, um, from, from the, from the music to the video as well, which is, it's an incredible video. And so that's a whole other facet to your multi talents, which is, uh, obviously incredible uh, as well. But I mean, what are your kind of early memories of, of this song? Because this is, you know, I, 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 could put like a hundred quotables for, for it but I, I honestly this is the one that will be that will live forever you know I just, the magic of this song and I, I can't fathom what it's like to be someone like yourself or Deborah when you've created it and then you listen to this finished thing and go okay that's um that's pretty good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you I, I think um I think it takes a while for me to I mean I, I kind of have the initial euphoria after I've finished a track like that but then then I kind of sit back and and have to kind of Give, give myself a bit of headspace um, and then come back to it and kind of go, you know, there's almost like the kind of morning after listen. It's yeah. like, is it really as good as I think it might be? Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do go back to that track a lot and listen to it. I mean, the, the, I think the way that it all started, again, it goes back to that 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 time that I went down to Bournemouth um, to, to not do music. It's, it, it started there and I think there might even be... Um, a video somewhere on my phone of me kind of giving my phone to either Cy or Deb because I'd found some chords. Um, we were just in, in their studio and I'd found some chords. I was like, can you just record this so I don't forget it? And that became, and that is the wow. sequence that, that, you know, is the, the core of the of the musical part of the tune ultimately. Um, and then, so we, I think we did that and I had my laptop with me. So I, you know, I had a kind of mobile rig there so I was like right let's let's put this let's put this down so I did and then who was there Deb's obviously there and then Nath turned up um and I was just like I've got this idea I think I think we should do this like kind of singers unlimited style and and lose the piano and do it as vocals um and uh, I mean Nath and I have worked together for years yeah. like like literally like 20 years I think um, I've known him for, he's like my brother, I've known him for so long and um, we've been making music for so long. So he was used to this kind of crazy idea of me kind of going, right, it's this note, and then this note and, 
that there's they're really crunchy chords there's a lot of very close harmony work um and uh Nath just absolutely smashed it it was just because he'd, he'd had so much uh so much kind of practice working that way with me and then deb comes on and she's just she's a bit nervous and i'm like what are you talking about Deb? you're, you're just such a ridiculous vocalist and of course she nailed it as well but she kind of is i think nathan kind of set this bar and then she kind of went right i've got to hit that then so essentially what you hear at the beginning is is nathan and deb kind of like layered um hmm. and then I, I think i'm singing just the lowest one because nathan couldn't quite reach it so it's a little bit of me singing at the bottom end oh, well. um so and it all started from there I, I think at that point when i left Bournemouth, all it was was that vocal and the piano version of this, you know, just the pianos playing the same chords. Um, however, I do remember at, during that trip, me suggesting to Simon, I was just like, I, I think this is the song. I think this is the song about Deb's mum. But, you know, it, it, I, I didn't want to be kind of like insensitive about it. So right. I didn't talk to Deb about it. I just said it to Simon. I was just like, I think this is the one, but I, I don't want to say anything, but perhaps... You know, you could chat to her about it and see what she's thinking. So while they were doing that, I'd, I'd then gone home. Um, and over the next, I, you know, I don't even think I got onto it straight away. I think I had to kind of give it a bit of headspace. Then I came back to it and started building the track around it. And then it turned into this kind of like really cinematic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sent it over and they were just like, oh, God. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, this is definitely what you said it was. Um she's going to start writing to it and then again I think it took a little while for it to happen but I, I got sent the vocal back and I was just like this is insane this is it's like, this is like one of the best things I've ever been involved in yeah um it's and, and it is it's, it's just got this I don't know it's, it's captured something um that makes me want to keep listening to it so hopefully others will want to as well do you pick it apart if, when you're listening to it out of interest? Do you think, oh, I wonder if we could have done that or we could have done this? Yeah, this, it, but I, do you know what? For that one, I don't think it's anything musically that I would change. It, for me, it's just um, there are little technical aspects like to the recording, like the, the piano, the, the solo piano that's in the middle is, is my upright piano. So I've recorded it obviously using microphones and there's a little bit of, kind of background noise and you know my computer's getting on a bit now so there's a bit of like almost like kind of like fan noise from the computer (laughs) which is in the background and in fact if if you listen to like the the kind of hip-hop rework that i did of it yeah where where it's kind of like it's really present you really hear it and and that that slightly annoys me a little bit but in in terms of kind of creatively and like in terms of its arrangement i i yeah i really like it um there's, there's not much that i would change i don't think do you, um, I, I asked this of, of Deborah as well when I spoke to her, I think a month, last month or the month before, um, we talked about the song again, obviously, and um, I was asking, like, as, a, as an artist, you know, obviously a question certainly applicable to yourself, but do you ever feel like when you do this song and then, like, I guess for her, she, it's, she's been able to ride this, you know, this incredible, almost euphoric wave of it for the last year, you sort of sit mm-hmm. back and you watch people digest this song uh for the first time and then continually come back uh come back to it and you know people have reached out to her in so many ways and it's just been a wonderful wonderful thing to see but i i what i asked of her was do you ever feel that you get to a point where you're like the song becomes okay now people are going to expect me to top this 
next go round. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever feel that you, you know, you sit down to create something and you've got, I'll see you again in the back of your mind and you're like, um, uh, people, you know, am I going to, this, is this something I'm aiming for? Is this something I'm just, you know, it's in my catalog, but I'm moving on. Does it, do you feel like it hinders you in any way? Uh, yeah, I totally, I don't, I totally see where, where some people might feel like that. And I, I, I you know, I, I think I'd be lying if I said that I never feel like that. Sometimes I do, but actually, I, I, I tend to approach music always wanting to make something better than the last thing I made. Right. So, yes, it, I, sometimes it can be daunting if you've had something that's been well received. Um, but ultimately, I think you've just got to just got to keep trying to make the best possible thing in that moment that you can. You know, I've been I've kind of stitched myself up in the past where I might have had some success with a song and this is stuff that's outside of futuristica but some like some success with a song and then i've tried to make exactly the same record again just to kind of please them right and it's and it's never gone well it's ne- it's they've all gone they've just kind of gone oh that's just the same record you made so why are you not trying to make the, you know something else right um so now i, I you know kind of hopefully older and wiser I, I just i just make what i think is good at the time um always trying to yeah, kind of level up again. I keep saying level up at the moment, but it's because I play a lot of computer games. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's no, no game overs. <laughs> uh, so, I guess, like, so from sort of the original kind of version, we have you've you've cited it already. We have that remix, which, I mean. I, again, uh, you know, I, Simon kind of talked about him. I believe he approached you as like, let's try and do something a bit different with it. I mean, what was your reaction when, when that? Because I would have cited that as, what do you do with it? It's, you know, it's this uh, epic, flawless piece of music. It's untouchable. Why would you, why would anybody even attempt to kind of revisit this? But you, you, <laughs> uh, you kind of reinvented this in this, immaculate this masterful dealer-esque kind of way and it is just it is such a joy and what is your I mean what was the process there what did you think when Simon initially says hey why don't we give it a go were you like don't touch that yeah (laughs) I think I I think I was actually I think my initial reaction was exactly that it's just like what you're talking about how how am I possibly going to do that um but the the original idea for so I, I think First of all, the idea was that Simon was just like, this This needs to have its own, it, it needs to come out on a 12, it needs to have its own little thing. Mm. It's like, it's great on the album, but we should do a thing with it. Um, and he said, you know, we could do a, a, a extended version. I was like, okay, well, that's easy enough. I can, I can work that out. And then he said, oh, I think you should do a rework. Um, and initially, I'd thought about doing it in the style of, um, there's a, there's a mystery of man, <clears throat> excuse me, a mystery of man, Sarah Vaughan edit that I did some time ago, All right. um, which is, again, it's, it's not on Futuristica. Mm. However, it was uh, essentially, I'd never heard mystery of man by Sarah Vaughan um, until I think I, it was when Simon Deb lived in London and um, an EC had come over as well. And they were all playing this record. Um, and it's, <clears throat> it's just this magical record. I don't, do you know it? It's, no, it's, no. Oh my god, it's it's just insane. It's um, so it's Sarah Vaughan, kind of later on in, in her career. Um, I think I, I don't. Do you know what? I don't want to say who who who's done it. I think it might 
might have been um, Lalo Schifrin. I think Lalo Schifrin might be orchestrating right. it. But then it's also the words were written by one of the popes. So it's got this kind of spiritual aspect to it. And, and it's just an incredible record. Um, and then I, I think Simon said, oh, we, EC are doing a, a kind of edit of this. And I was just like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll have a go. And so I did. Um, and, and again, like, I just got this phone call from Simon going, what have you done? This is just like insane. Um, and I remember G- uh, Giles Peterson just absolutely played it to death. He was he was all over it. Um, and so the idea for the for the um, See You Again edit was to do something like that. So to take elements of, of the record and, and put a kind of tougher beat over it and, and turn it into kind of like a resampled edit type thing. Was that then your I, idea to do, or was that Simon's idea? No, I think I think it was my idea. I think I was because he just said you should you need to do, do something, something else with it, and yeah. I was just like, well, perhaps we could do that, you know, that because it ties yeah. in with stuff I've done in the past, and you know, it can work. But ultimately, I, I tried to make something like that, and it, and it just wasn't working. So then, I, yeah, so I, I just kind of like said, right, well, I'm, I'm just going to go nuts, and I'll, I'll totally resample it, um, and, and it obviously gets pitched up again because the, the, it's a faster tempo as well. Um, but I, and I remember saying to Simon, like, I've done this thing with it, but I'm, I'm really worried that it's going to upset Deb because it's turned into this totally different thing. Um, and so what we ended up doing is, is the sample of, of, the, of the vocals get sped up quite considerably, but the lead vocal um, is only pitched. So, so the, the phrase length of the, of the original vocal is retained. It's just pitched up very slightly. So, you know, you can, if you played them, side by side you'd hear that it's, it's a very I think it's a couple of like semitone or a tone above the original but it's still Deb singing the phrase like she was it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a kind of chipmunk singing it or right. sped up um, and it's obviously got very sparse lead vocals it's much more of a kind of instrumental head nodder mm-hmm. um, and yeah it just and it, so it just kind of came from that I, I, I think it reminds me a little bit of there's um can't remember whose remix it is, but there's the hip hop remix of um, "Black Gold of the Sun." All right, uh, by uh, New Re- Consoles version. There's, there's yeah. a hip, there's a hip hop style remix of that, and I think it, it's got shades of that in it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, ultimately, it's, it's kind of what came out. But I was, I was really reluctant to send it to them because I thought that it would upset Deb. But um, turns out she really liked it. <laughs> Amazing! It's such a genius kind of concept. It. I, I think I said that it was like, as far as a resume goes for you, those two songs, that's it. Like, it's so opposite ends of the spectrum. It just shows you can do everything in between. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. I can't think, again, the pride you must have had in kind of putting that together. It's, uh, yeah, sort of delivering that is um, is amazing. What would your reaction have been if, if you know, Deborah said, like, no, I, I, you know, I don't think it's appropriate. What would you have done? I, I would I would have totally understood and then I would have said to Simon I told you I told you this was a bad <laughs> idea <laughs> just like imagine you pointing to Simon no it's yeah, him, it's just it's like, him. This, yeah this 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 guy's idea it's just like don't blame the messenger um I think also that so that the 12 inch release of that was, was supposed to be a surprise from Dan. yes right I, um and I think it actually what ended up happening is one of one of the guys that, that buys a lot of our stuff, I think it's named Lee Wildsmith, and, he, and he's yeah, he's a legend. He, he, he's like a super fan, so he buys everything. He's, he's really, really into it. And I think he messaged Deb 
because oh. there'd been some kind of pre-release and he kind of went oh my god i can't wait to hear this and <laughs> i think it was that one anyway and um yeah it's, it might have been a different record to be fair but i'm sure it was supposed to be a surprise at right um but um it's very different i mean obviously those guys live together so it's very difficult to, <laughs> to kind of keep that to not explain boxes of vinyl that are turning up at the front yeah, door it's just like, what's this what's this <laughs> Um, amazing it's so awesome to have your insight as I said I've spoken to, to them about like that song and that album and it's 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 really cool to kind of get your your perspective of it and oh actually the video as well if I may ask I mean yeah. incredible it's so unbelievably good I remember the first time a buddy of mine sent it and I think they stumbled on it when it was it had really like just been released so I think there were only a few hundred views on YouTube at that point and someone sent it to me and just watching it on a loop just thinking like this song is insane this video is 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 perfect sort of marriage to the the music and everything I mean what was your your kind of thought process when the video kind of was it your idea to to go out and say right let, let's do this like this or yeah I mean it was it was again it was Sai's idea to do a video um I, you know, I, I'm. I really, really like film. I'm really into it, um, and I, th- I think, yeah, if if I if I had more time on my hands, that's something that I'd definitely try and upskill on. Is is you know getting into kind of direction or kind wow. of DOP stuff. Um, ultimately, I, you know, I've got a I've got a budget end SLR. Uh, Canon SLR camera, and it was all done on that. Wow. Um, which you know, again, when I watch it back, it's like I. The ideas and, and that, that I put together, I, I enjoy, but you know, it's, it's I, I feel for me personally that I, if I was going to do it again, I would obviously get better gear and make the same shots and make the same decisions, but have the better equipment to do it with. But mm. you know, generally my my approach has been you know do the best with what you've got. So that's that's what I had and that's what I've got. But Simon said, oh, I think we should do a video. Have you got some ideas? And and I went, yeah, I have. I've got yeah. this idea of her being in all these different locations and setting up the same shot everywhere, and she's just kind of like, uh, kind of, you know, transporting, time traveling, you know, whatever. She's just like literally flicking from from place to place. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'd been to Bournemouth quite a few times, so I had some ideas of, of what I wanted, and I, and I just said, look, these are the kind of shots I want. Um, can you go and scout out a few locations? Um, and then, and then I came down. I think again. I think I came down for two or three days, um, and uh, and just yeah, bought my stuff, and, and and we just went for it. Um, yeah, amazing. It's, it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of it. I, I'm really, I really like what it looks like, um, and I think she's she's amazing in it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was really worried though that you know we kind of set up the first shot on the first day which is um, on the beach and um and she was she was absolutely bothering it she was it was such an emotional moment um and i was just feeling i was just like oh my god I, you know i've set up like two days worth of shooting <laughs> and, and we're on the first shot and and Gosh. she's she's really struggling but she was an absolute trooper and she kind of got through it and and, and i think you know when i sent kind of through the first draft obviously it's, it's a really it's a really personal and, and close-up thing, you know. It's, it's it's her bearing all, really. Um, so I can see as an artist how that can be. Um, you know, it, it, you've got to you've just kind of got to let go 
um, to show that to people. It's like on a record, you can you can obviously hear it, but to show it as well, and to show that raw emotion, um, is, you have to be really brave. And so I'm really happy that she kind of let us and trusted me and Simon to, to kind of put that forward and to do that. Um, there, there's one shot of her in, uh, it's one of the closer shots in, in the video where she's in one of the wooded shots. And um, you can't quite see it in the black and white version because obviously I shot it in colour and then wanted to black and white it to, to give it that kind of feel. But in, in the original shot, which is in colour, she sings this lyric about her mum, you know, one, obviously it's about her, the whole thing's about her mum, but mm -hmm. about her mum seeing her right now or whatever it is. And, and literally the sun just appears from nowhere and the whole shot gets gets bright and her whole face lights up and, and Deb's just like well she's here that's it she's here watching us right now and it was wow. like the most incredible thing to watch um you still kind of see it on 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 the final cut but in the moment that was just you know I think I think we, we I finished I kind of like shouted cut or whatever on that one and we just had a, had a good old hug for about three minutes just <laughs> just to kind of let that moment yeah. sink in it was absolutely incredible magic everything about it is just is, is just the magical thing wasn't it um, yeah I, I have really it's it's a really kind of like uh, an experience that I'll, I'll never forget in any of it the writing of that and the, the compiling the vocals and then doing the video um and i think also that kind of helped me to you know understand deb a little bit more and get closer to, to her and, and probably to simon actually um because it takes a lot of trust to do a record like that yeah to do a, to do a video like that as well i think yeah, and to have those efforts kind of rewarded the way they have been is, is you know, it must just be the icing on, on the cake, I imagine, because it's it has been just so wonderfully embraced. Um, yeah, it, it really must be an amazing thing. So congratulations to you guys, man. It just, yeah, Thank you. It, I can't imagine it getting, you know, a, a sort of a more incredible kind of reward for everything that you guys put together in that. So, yeah, it's wonderful to see everything that stemmed from, from that kind of going forward in over the last year. So... Um, yeah, it's a real wonderful thing. So amazing. Thanks. How did you guys actually meet? I think that's probably I don't think I've ever asked them that. How did you you guys have known each other for such a long time? How how did you kind of get inducted into the futuristica fold? So this is I was talking to Georgie about this a couple of days ago. This this is uh, this just shows how old we are. Um, <laughs> I'm, I I didn't even meet them firsthand. So uh, there's there's an artist that did uh, I think he's got one album with Futuristica, with Rep Life. Right. Um, who's also the guy that's got, uh, he does the Ra Ra, mm -hmm. which is on Dark Versus Light as well. And he's an insane rapper. And uh, I, I wish he'd come and do some more things. Um, but he's, he's very busy doing some really important stuff uh, in Cleveland. Um, I met him through MySpace. So this is how old I'm Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So when MySpace was like, you know, the, the kind of premium social media platform right. for artists um and i don't think we did anything remotely but he said i'm coming to london so i'd like to hook up with you and i was like yeah that sounds great let's do that um and at the same time he had been messaging cyan deb he'd been messaging um uh dago and Heidi wow. as well I think and uh, Soul Persona who's a guy mm. uh, that does really soulful stuff that I did a few bits and pieces with 
um, and Cecilia Stalin, I think, as well. So we're oh, kind wow. of connected with all these kind of London and, and you know, I'm, I'm just outside of London, but, you know, kind of London people and said, I'm coming over. I'm over for like a week or two. I want to come and work with all of you. Um, so he invited me to Soul Persona's studio, uh, which at the time I think was in Watford. And then he also invited Simon Deb. Um, so me and Soul Persona, I think we'd done a couple of things previously, um, and we were working on this beat, uh, and, and he was writing to it. And then Deb and Zaya turn up, and they start writing to it as well. And that became Home, which is... Um, I think it's, I can't remember whose album it's on actually. It's either on Deb's or it, it's certainly, it, if you've heard the Limehouse live. Yes, EP, I love that session. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, there, there's a there's a, there's a a studio version of that track, mm-hmm. which I think is on Deb's album. Yeah. But initially was supposed to be on Red Life's album. Um, and she kind of went, no, 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 I've got to have that. <laughs> um, but that, again, that was like a kind of just a jam session. So it was me on keys, uh, Soul Persona kind of doing the beats, um, and then those two writing together and recording. So again, I think we, we did that entire track in like a couple of hours. Um, and so I, I got to know them literally on the fly, in, in the moment, in a recording session. Mm. Um and from that moment on, they were just like, oh, we want to do more stuff. And then I think from there, I, I did some more stuff for Rep Life's album, and then obviously he released on Futuristica. Um, I started doing a few bits and pieces for Deborah on her albums and, and remixes, ultimately. They just send me stuff and go, you know, do you fancy doing a remix on this? Um, yeah, and it was just kind of like a steady, steady thing that happened over, over a number of years. Um, and then they moved to Bournemouth, and I'm not sure. I don't know if, if we had like a, a bit of time off, but I think again it, we were all quite busy. I, I, I was doing a lot of teaching, um, and they were doing, you know, their thing down there. Um, so we all had a bit of a bit of a break from it, um, and then it all seemed to come back together. The, the, the other thing that, that helped me get down there was that Nathan, who I'd known way before any of these guys. Um, who originally lived in uh, in Norfolk, um, uh, he moved to Bournemouth. So he's also in Bournemouth. So I would then go down and see both of them. So it's like kind of like uh, double bubble, if you like. Mm. So I'd go and, go and hang out with Nate for a bit and then go and hang out with Simon Deb. Right. And, and I think that, again, kind of reignited this kind of, um, kind of I don't know, just the, the kind of chemistry, if you like, Um and again, Nathan historically wasn't doing stuff that was as, as necessarily as jazzy or as soulful as what, what he's released on Futuristica. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff that we write outside of Futuristica is much more kind of like almost like La- Laurel Canyon kind of American right. kind of pop stuff, like 70s, like mid 70s inspired stuff. So we had a lot of that um, already going for us. Um, but then Sai sent him some of his incredible beats and they were just like oh wow what's this <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like get involved um 
So yeah, it's 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 it still to this day it makes me laugh that it took for a, a guy from Cleveland to to introduce us. Where you know we live, I live like twenty five minutes away from. That's so it's just uh, mad. Yeah, the world is so small from behind a computer screen, isn't it? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. So um, you, you've mentioned we mentioned a uh, 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 young Nathan as well, and your your kind of your your relationship with him and how far back it goes. I mean, you must have had a real buzz in getting to be so involved in in the Stillwater project as well. It's, it's really nice because Nathan and I, I mean, I, I think on between our hard drives, we must have like 500 songs. Wow. There, and, now, don't get me wrong, they're, they're not all, they're certainly not all futuristic material by any means. And, and there are lots of different kind of iterations of our writing. Um, but it's so nice to do something that has that kind of soulful and jazzy tip. Um, and to have a and to have a home like Futuristica to express that is, is fantastic. So, you know, when we get to make songs like um, Namaste or uh, Resilience and all that kind of stuff, mm. which is you know has those kind of new soul R and B influences, which I I really enjoy. Um, it's just so nice to, to be able to do that with him and and have a place to, to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's not just my hard drive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would you kind of like to branch out beyond that kind of? Is that futuristic kind of uh, the, the genres established by that label? You know, I mean, I, I've, in fact, you've sort of saying you and Nathan had all these these kind of projects and tracks outside of that. I mean, are there situations that you're kind of looking forward to kind of go beyond that a little bit? I think I'm I'm always open to to other opportunities. I mean, Futuristica, if you said to me, right, I want you to write the thing that's closest to your heart, I'm kind of doing it. So it, whatever I made would probably end up a perfect fit for Futuristica. Um, but, there, you know, there are other things that I am doing at the moment. I, I've, you know, I, I recorded an album, or recorded and produced an album at Abbey Road um, over, over, over lockdown as well. Amazing. So, wow. But we ju- just managed to get in before they, before they kind of locked it down. Um, but that's like kind of like classic Beatles, Pink Floyd and Stone stuff. Wow. Um, so that's very, very different. But you know, I, I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, I've, I've been in a I've been in a disco covers band for twenty five years. I really enjoy that as well. There's, there's, uh, and, and then Nathan and I historically have, have, have written lots of lots of pop music. Um, but. I, you know, it's, it's stuff that I would still stand by because it's mainly influenced by music from the past rather than the kind of bubblegum pop. Right. It's, um, you know, again, that kind of Laurel Canyon, right. Eagles and early Carpenters and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that we that we enjoy making in the kind of pop vein. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to, to anything, really. I, there's lots of other things that I've done that if, I think if you looked on, like, if, if, maybe if you looked on Discogs, you might see me as a writer, but don't have my name on anywhere else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just like either go, ghost written, ghost produced. There, there are other, there are other little things, but the stuff that I'm that I put my name to um, is is that kind of soulful, jazzy yeah. uh, hip hop mix, which is you know futuristic is just incredible for us. Yeah. I absolutely love love being able to do stuff through these guys. Well, I say these guys. I'm also a director of it now, so it's it's basically me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess you know, speaking of things you put your name to, let's jump into uh, the Dark vs Light reissue. Which, yeah. um, I mean, 
how does that feel? That must be really exciting when they when Simon's kind of presented this this notion to you. You, you had this album which uh, came out eleven years ago, and then out as part of these fifteenth year celebrations uh, of the label. It's kind of let's let's kind of reintroduce this project for for people to kind of uh, you know have a another chance at sort of embracing in this whole new context. There's more songs this time around. It's got physical releases. Uh, when they initially presented this as an idea. Uh, something that they wanted to do were you how did you initially respond how kind of looking at this album after 11 years well i think the, the fact that he kind of went double gatefold vinyl and i was just like yep sold let's do it <laughs> uh you know the, the kind of business head of me was just like look you know are, are we going to be able to, is this going to make sense it's not going to put us into any financial difficulties because ultimately you know it, it is predominantly an instrumental album mm. it's not you know it's not like um it's not like one of the art, one of the other artists that are singers putting out an album, um, but he was he assured me it was fine. So I was like, great. So I, I'm I'm really proud of it. I mean, I, I listened to it again. I put it in the car the other day, and um, and I, and I, again, I really like it. Um, it's it reminds me of another time. You know, I wrote all of it way before I had children. Um, it was none of it was made in the studio that I'm in now. It was all done in my spare room on uh, an old mac computer um and a really small pair excuse me a really small pair of eddie roll monitor speakers like it, it was so to, to to have it sounding as good as it sounds now you know it's well, i think it's been remastered actually as well he sent it back to the mastering engineer but yeah i think it holds up and and music like that i think is almost a little a little bit timeless because people are still making music like this now right. Um, so, you know, I mean, I know it, yeah, it came out maybe 11 years ago, but some of the tracks might even be as, as old as 14 or 15 years. Wow. Um, I think I was sitting on quite a few of them, um, before because, you know, Simon was just like, oh, you should really do it. You should really do a project with you, you, like just for you. And at that time in my career, I didn't even call myself a producer. You know, I, I didn't think of myself as that. I was, I, because my background is in playing, I was like, oh, I'm just a keys player that, right. that you know, it's just kind of made some beats, but it's just like, no, no, you're a producer. Um, so it's only because Simon kind of said to me, you should really put this together and into a project that it actually happened. Um, and I think, in fact, he probably curated the playlist with, with the exception of the intro, which would make, wouldn't make any sense being at the end necessarily. But <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, there's, there, there are tracks... I mean, obviously, what I what, what I find really funny is that there are tracks on on the Dark vs. Light album which are now on Nathan's album. Yes, um, yeah, but, voodoo, you know, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's more than that actually. So, uh, Peacemakers is also one of mine. That's, right, Peacemakers is from Shadows, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's there's yeah there's there's a, there's a few, um, and Nathan would have heard this completely out of context because we would have been writing other stuff at the time that I originally released this, mm. but it's only now kind of like, in fact, do you know the way, the way that came about, the way Nathan got on those tracks is that we had talked about reissuing Dark versus Night, but possibly getting vocalists on all the tracks. Oh, wow. That would have been interesting. That, yeah. That's how, that's how it came about. Um, but then by the time Nathan had vocaled the ones he vocaled, we were just like, oh God, we need, we need to put these on his record. Right. They just, they, it just fits putting these, it was basically, I think Cy had four or five tracks with him and I had four or five tracks with him. And then Cy weaved his, his, his magic in, in kind of like blending 
an album uh like a you know like a playlist of, of tracks and, and it turned into still water mm. um so once we'd like kind of lost the kind of like oh well we won't do vocals on every track he, he kind of went well let's let's put some of these other tracks on it as well it's like, <laughs> okay great <laughs> let's do it um it's good fun it's I, li- I like playing the stuff to my kids because uh you know they now that they're as i say they're nine or seven so they, they, they kind of get into music nowadays mm. um and they, and they have a very uh, eclectic palette because um, we don't just listen to, you know, Frozen soundtrack and stuff like that. <laughs> we, we, we do listen to that. And, and you know what? I, I enjoy things like that as well. Yeah. It's, it, it's, that's not within the realms of my <laughs> enjoyment. But, um, you know, when you when I start seeing my seven-year-old really headed, like nod-headed, like headed, yeah, nodding his head, sorry, mm. uh, to to some of the tracks on, on my stuff, I'm just like, yeah. Well, is there great. a song that they've, each or together gravitated towards of yours the most um i think uh ted i think ted really likes the one with rep life on it the rah rah oh um, cool although they both they both like pure imagination because obviously it's it's, it's from um uh willie wonka and the chocolate factory right. so they they enjoy that because they know the film um and they so the, the and the kalimba is a is a good one. So the is the kalimba the one that's turned into voodoo? I think it is. I yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the the kalimba has a nice story to it because my wife went to Egypt um, and she brought home this kalimba. So the kalimba you hear on that track is the one that she brought oh. me <laughs> home from holiday. Um, and it's like all the other notes are completely out of tune. It's like the the, the notes you hear on the melody of that tune are the only ones that could really work. So has this kind of charm to it. Um, so yeah, telling the kids that, you know, oh, that tra- that's the one that mummy bought me from holiday. Like, oh, wow. Um, and you know, I've, still, I've still got it actually, it's in the percussion box in the studio. So Amazing. we can kind of dig it out and play, play it for them. Um, so that's quite nice. They they really loved, um, what's the one that they love of Nathan's? Uh, Sunblind. Oh, um, right, so the, the Simon one. Yeah, although that's so it's it's produced by Simon, but that's me on keys mm. on, and bass. So si- Simon did the it's kind of like main levels of Simon, and then I did some some keys work and I stuck the bass line and all that kind of piano solo at the end. Um, but I remember when I was making that, Ted was quite young, um, and there's a there's a line in it which is "You're the light I follow," and Ted was convinced that Nathan was singing "Funnel." So Ted, Ted knows Sunblind is, is like, play funnel, play funnel. <laughs> you're the light I follow. Is Nathan kicking himself for not having written that as the original lyric? Yeah, you're, you're the light I funnel. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nathan, as I say, is like a brother. So he, he, I, I know his kids really well. He knows my kids really well. So he, he's, he is known as Uncle Nene Brilliant. to my kids. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's all good fun. Uh, one of my standouts from from the uh, the album was the "Love Is All" track with uh, Liz Alensky, which is uh, a fantastic track. How did you guys come to to work together? Did you you remix one of the um, the Eminative albums, uh, one of the Eminative tracks yeah. with Liz on it as well, right? Yeah. So um, the, there's two albums from um, Eminative on Futurist, yeah. And Liz is uh, Liz and Nick are married, mm-hmm. so Liz is Eminative's wife. Um, and so I think I'd already done, I'd possibly done that remix. I think it's for the, I don't know if it's for the first or the second album, but I'm involved in some way in both of them. But the, yeah, there's a remix which has kind of got a. I, I wanted to do a kind of Roy Ayers type thing, right. so it's it's got a kind of much more old school feel to it. Um, 
and I think she she might have kind of connected with me after that and kind of gone, if you want me to do anything else, I'm really up for it. So okay. I think that, that inspired me then to, to write something. So, yeah, again, Love is always a completely remotely kind of envisaged and recorded thing where, you know, I, I essentially sent her the entire backing track finished and arranged, and she came back with, with all the incredible vocals and sent them all back. I did a mix, and then that's that's what you hear. Um, but it's re- I'm really... It's really nice actually now, now that I'm hearing that again on the radio, because um, I don't think it got, didn't get a fair crack at the whip when it was released 11 oh, right. years ago. Um, but now it seems to be playing, you know, I, I'm getting texts from my friends now kind of going, oh, it's been played again. <laughs> um, so it's, that's really nice. Um, it's nice to know that, again, a track that I probably made about 12 or 13 years ago is, is, is still being played today. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome. It's always been. It's long been one of my, um, one of my favourites from sort of the version of it that had been released. I love that record. Um, what was the the kind of the, I guess the thought process behind the, the the notion of dark versus light as a as an overarching theme for that for the project? Where did that kind of come from? Um, I think. I mean, I'm really. <laughs> this is where I start to turn into a real nerd. But you probably know this from all my Star Wars trousers that I wear. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really into the kind of good versus evil thing. Right. Um, and, uh, and and also, as I get older, I, I, I recognise more that it's not as black and white as that. So uh, there, there is this kind of constant battle uh, between darkness and, and, and light. Um, and you know, it's obviously it's all over stories like star wars and, and a lot of sci-fi and fantasy stuff mm. but I, I do feel i do feel that way in life i think you know you you, you have you have moments of, of of pure light and you have moments of pure darkness and it's about kind of navigating between those so yeah it, it, it was a kind of a loose way of saying that you know there there are songs here which are nicer than others or if you know brighter than others or um more you know, inspirational, and there are other ones that are a bit kind of more dark and moody. Mm. Um, and like the, the track "Dark Versus Light" on you know, so the t- you know the title track, yeah. um, it's essentially a song of two halves. It, it's it, the first half is a chord of uh, it uses chords that are all minor chords, and then halfway through where it breaks down, they it's exactly the same sequence, but they turn into major chords. So the idea of this kind of darkness, and then a very very tiny change makes that makes it a lighter progression a lighter chord progression so it's kind of literally changing it from a dark sound to right. a lighter sound so yeah it has a kind of metaphorical and a kind of uh, very literal sense as well mm. i think oh that's really that's an interesting i like the way that you've managed to kind of bring that that kind of overall fandom into into the project as well that's super cool yeah, I'm 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 am an absolute geek. I think, I mean, obviously, <laughs> if you if you spoke to my wife for like five minutes, she'd she'd be like, yeah, just don't even start. Um, it's yeah, well, I'm I'm an absolute proud geek. I, I you know I don't it doesn't bother me at all. Mm. Um, you know I'm 40 years old now. I don't care about things like that. It's like, <laughs> I'm into what I'm into, and that's that's just the way it goes. Do you drag her um, along for for these these journeys, so to speak, in terms of the the films do, you start you enjoy and stuff like that? She's 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 actually into it. So um, yeah, she's she's not as mad keen on it, but like I think in a Star Wars quiz, she could hold her own definitely. Okay, that's pretty um, good. She's a keeper. Yeah. Oh, she, oh, she's <laughs> incredible. She's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, it's the, the stuff that we clash on most actually is is 
is elements of music, but I have to be playing like some proper hard bop for her to kind of go, no, I can't deal with that. Stop it. <laughs> but <laughs> it, most things, we, we, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, if we get time of an evening to, to watch something, like watch a series, and, and I, I'm, I'm a, bit, <laughs> a bit of a snob, actually. So I, it has to be, you know, it has to be of a certain quality, but she's really into it. So, you know, watching series like, um, what have we just watched that we really liked? We watched Chernobyl, which was obviously harrowing. As, have you seen that? What, what so, one did you say, sorry? Ch- Chernobyl, the one about oh, the no, power I station. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. My no. goodness. I mean, it's phenomenal, but it's, it's super harrowing. But things like Breaking Bad and The, the Wire is a big favourite. Mm. Our favourite show of all time is The West Wing. That is right. just, just the most incredibly made piece of television. Um, and I've been trying to... Uh, there's a kind of running joke. And again, I was telling Georgie about this a few days ago uh, while she was here. I, I bought the box set at the West Wing for Nathan, going, you need to watch this. It's absolutely incredible. He hasn't watched it, so then I told Cy and Deb about it. They've borrowed the box set off him, and they haven't watched it either. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to Georgie, when you go back to Bournemouth, nick it off Cy and Deb. Someone needs to watch it. Then she'll tell you, there's a padlock on it, dude. That's why no yeah, one's seen it. Yeah, it's, it's probably right, yeah. And I'll be like, it's all, it's all on all four. Come on, get get involved. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, I, get a bit, I do get a bit preachy about that show, actually. Wow, okay. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's just phenomenal. So, But yeah, it's uh, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, my wife yeah, likes, likes all of those things. And um, we have a very kind of broad palette so there's you know we can i mean we watched we watched the first naked gun film the other day <laughs> i had i hadn't seen for for years wow. and, and honestly i watched it and i was like this really does inform a lot of my core sense of humor <laughs> I, I hadn't quite realized it there's, there's just some there's some absolutely brilliant moments surely not um, that's an airplane no, gag but uh, yeah, <laughs> i love it, love one, it. But we'll let it pass <laughs> that's good it's leslie nielsen's in that you can yeah <laughs> I, I, it's funny i said to someone about um was i think it was in relation to airplane that i'd give anything to go back and experience that film from scratch because yeah, you know, totally. so much of that humor has become quite cliche and adapted mm. in so many different ways that it's just sort of people doing it now is just isn't funny because i guess guys like us we've grown up with it but yeah. i remember vividly being super young and watching uh like parts of airplane for the first time and just laughing so hard because it was just the funniest thing i'd ever seen and um, yeah you can't i guess you know like i said for people our age you can't experience that humor for the first time again mm. and uh, it's such a shame i'd love to kind of to, to watch those movies and not know what the, what the gags were and yeah me too yeah there's I, there's loads of movies like that where i'd love to be on yeah. set definitely yeah. mandalorian fan out of interest of course yeah of course yeah i'm a huge mandalorian fan um and i have you seen all of it? Yeah, I should I shouldn't say much actually because I don't know if whoever's listening has seen it. But the the, the thing that happens at the end yes. of season two, I I clocked it really really early on. Oh wow, amazing! I I put I paused it and I said to the family, I was like, I, it's like I, you know, I won't say it now, but I'm just like, yeah, I think that's I think that's that. And they're like, what? And then we played it. I was just like, told you. <laughs> I think we knew it. Like it was going to be big. But that was as far yeah. as we got. I, I, like, I, I couldn't even, there were times I was stuck on the timeline of where this was actually being set. Uh, but then obviously you see like the person's coming and you're like, oh my gosh, like, who is this? Yeah. Edge of your seat stuff. And then it was revealed who it was. And it was, yeah. yeah, what a colossal moment. See, 
I, I've, I've also watched all of the kind of cartoon series as well, which I know should probably be for children. Absolutely but, not. I'm you know, midway into, I'm just over midway into Clone Wars. I'm brilliant. A, yeah. Okay. Wow. That yeah. is not for I'm, kids at all. I don't think that that's a kids-based show at all. There, there's a lot of stuff in there that, that will go right over their heads. Yeah. There's also, there's a show that, there's another show called Rebels, which I, I actually think is better than Clone Wars. Wow. Um, I'll so move so on to that next. Yeah, so you, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that happens within those shows that when you then get to the end of Mandalorian, you're like, but hold on, it could, you know, it could be this, it could be that. There's lots of other options. Um, it's so yeah, it's uh, I love all that stuff, and it's so I, 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 say, I say to the kids, like we're in a golden age of this stuff now. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you love or hate Disney or the, the machine of, of what that, you know, what that is, uh, we're getting some really good content. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, quite happy. Yeah, we um yeah I've that's for me Disney Plus has been amazing to kind of reconnect with Star Wars, yeah. uh, because I, I I as a as a kid I I loved like a New Hope I had known backwards, um but I you know I'd seen the others uh, not not half as many times and it'd been so long, um so we're kind of really enjoying reconnecting with that's brilliant with star wars uh, in that way and, and you, you you've got kids haven't you so you're watching that with the children uh yeah i've they're they're, they're stuck on marvel at the moment um mm-hmm. there, are, <laughs> there are elements my daughter's 10 and uh she there are, i've tried to tease her with a couple of star wars things but then she'll be like ah Jabba, and find, <laughs> find him petrifying <laughs> and it'll be like no he's not that bad it's like he's, it's okay um, so I'm trying to just wean her in a little bit. I, uh, I haven't tried with the with my my son is five, so I should probably try it again with him. But they've seen me watch Clone Wars every now and then. But I mm. think they walk in on the like the political episodes. And they're, yeah. They're not yeah, the ones. At all. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, now we my yeah mine again. It's quite funny actually. We've we've had we've had a few uh, sleepovers since the lockdown easing, um, and. It's really interesting to see that my kids. We put a film on for for, for the kids, and, and my kids will happily sit through like an hour and a half, hour and forty, no problem. Whereas their, their friends that come over, they were up, they were up off the seats for like twenty five minutes doing something else. And I was just like, it's probably good that they're not stuck on screens. Right. But ultimately, like, it, I, I'm happy that you know we did over the first lockdown, we did all of the Marvel films. Wow, from, amazing! From start to finish, moving all the way up to Endgame. Fantastic, and. Um, and to do that with the kids yeah. was just just fantastic. Yeah. So you know, I've now got my my nine year old kind of going, oh, well, that's she's from that, and that's that character, and it's like that's going to happen next, and I just love that to, yes. to have those conversations with them. Yeah, it, it's it's the weirdest thing, isn't it? I guess as when when you when your kids start to gravitate to the, to the things that you love, like yeah. I remember when my daughter was she was five and she fell in love with Purple Rain. <laughs> to me it was the best moment in the world um awesome. yeah but to watch them both like they're really into the, the mcu stuff at the moment and i, I adore mm. that i really adore everything that they've done so to have that with them has just been it's been wonderful yeah over lockdown you're right we've sat down to watch several uh films all together during the day and we'll just close the blinds get the food, popcorn out and it's just the best time yeah i agree and i think it's, it's i think what's nice certainly with the last to Avengers films is that they really they really pulled off an absolute God. incredible feat with those two yeah. films. So to, to then go through that journey with the children yeah. and then kind of go, look guys, you know, I know we've gone through like twenty movies <laughs> over the last few months, but this it, it's all about this moment. Yeah. And then suddenly you know they get really excited when everyone appears and they're just yeah. like, oh great. So this is exactly the thing that I had when I went to sit in the cinema. Yeah. Amazing. That's fantastic. 
Dude, amazing. Oh. So happy to talk to you. I feel like this is, for me, it's been a, a really long time coming. I've got a couple more music-based questions, if I may. Yeah, before we I should probably talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simon's texting. Ah, stop talking about that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm mindful of your time as well. We've been talking for well over an hour at the moment, and it's your it's evening time, so I apologize for invading your... No, not a problem. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. In the oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Um, we, we touched on, um, I mean, something else that we, we both, I imagine, geek out about uh, significantly would be uh, Mr. James Yancey and mm. uh, uh, our respective uh, Dilla fandom. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm uber geek with him. So I, I, for me, the JD years, that kind of late 90s, early noughties, where it was very, very kind of, soulful his soulquarian kind of and uma yeah. period for me so i i never really call him dilla I, I look at dilla as sort of a later stage where he was really into more rugged uh kind of sounding beats but that smoothness mm. which i i imagine is potentially what you gravitate towards in some of your your compositions as well it was sort of that jd kind of era production where where did your fandom for his just incredible work uh where did that kind of start I, so yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. By the way, and, and after this, after this call, I might start saying exactly the same thing, calling calling him JD because <laughs> you know I, I do appreciate the kind of as you say the more kind of rugged dealer stuff, but it, it's I mean certainly it's the soul Quarian stuff that yeah. I'm really really into. Um, so I, I'm trying to think who got me into it. Um, I remember. I mean, I certainly remember if I go back to when I was in primary school, um, my, my best mate at primary school asked for the Della Soul is Dead album when he was like 10. Oh and, I, and I remember going, I remember going, what's this? This is rubbish. Uh, and it's only now that I'm just like, oh, what an idiot I was. Like, this guy was way ahead of his time. Um, I, I think as I was going through teenage years, um, things like Snoop's first album had come out and... Um, Dre, Dr. Dre's Chronic right. had come out just before that. So that whole kind of uh, G-funk yeah. um, kind of sample thing was the first thing that got me into hip-hop. And then I think I think I just I just started finding little avenues um, into into other areas of hip-hop. However, I, I think really it probably came through Erica Badu um, and, and the Soul Quarians right. aspect of stuff. So... I think the first thing that I'd been exposed to was probably Baduism. In fact, Baduism live. I think I'd heard the live album before I'd heard the right. studio album. And so I'd got into got into Erica Badu. And then obviously she started recording, I think, is it Mama's Gun? Was that her second? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. He, right, she, so, he did a couple, uh, didn't you know? Well, he, he's all over. So it's, Mama's Gun is Soul Quarians all over, mm. isn't it? So he, he's part of that. He's part of that crew, even if he's not got the kind of direct producer hat on right. it's him and and Questlove and James Poyser and um and so it's so it was that album that then got me listening to I think The Roots um and also uh D'Angelo's Voodoo album because they're all recorded about the same time they were they, they absolutely were and, yeah. and also uh Common's album like, like Water, Water for Chocolate, Chocolate yeah so the light of that album mm. um the one that samples um Bobby Caldwell. Bobby Caldwell's Open Your Eyes. That was mine and Katie's second dance at our wedding. Wow, that's beautiful. So that's that's how big that record was for us. Wonderful. Um, so that really kind of got me into the kind of like, who is on this record? Who's doing this? And then I kind of backtracked from there and started to work out that he'd done stuff for um, 
like who is he doing stuff for? Uh, like Far Dennis side Soul. and tribal. Yeah, quest, Far yeah. side. I mean, yeah, and tribe obviously doing stuff with the Ummah as well. Um, so it, it just kind of expanded from there. And then I got in, you know listened to a bit of Slum Village. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't I don't know everything that he's done. Mm. Um, you can probably you, again if if you've really gone in on it, you can probably play me like forty tracks I've never heard of. But there's something quintessential about that era of his yeah. production that I can hopefully hone in on and, and try and incorporate in some of the music that I make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's stuff like that, and and it's and it is really that it is that era. It's it's kind of like mid '90s into the early 2000s. It's that kind of stuff that I'm really into. Mm. Um, but I also think there's there's a lot of kind of R&B influence that I, that is kind of like somewhere within me. Um, even into the kind of pop R&B stuff, I, I enjoy that because ultimately it, they, a lot of the harmonic work comes from kind of gospel music. So right. I, I, can, I can draw from that as well. So it might have like a hip hop element to my music, but it's, it's, there's, there's often a, a, a very kind of R&B or new soul style chord sequence happening somewhere. Mm. Amazing. It's um, yeah, I know. I com- uh, I completely kind of agree the way that you uh, sort of throw your these little nods towards him and his music has been, it's always really fun to kind of sometimes spot them. Obviously the more blatant one being the, the return to Dilla Sweet, obviously, yeah. which is your own to, to, to his music, which is beautiful. Uh, but there's, I, I was, I was trying to rack my brain, but I know there's a live video of you uh, amongst these, the sort of the Futuriska sessions where you teasingly play the keys to, uh, I think it's the Mina's Dreaming Eyes of Mine remix that, that he did. And you open the song, you just, with the, those keys, and then you obviously, you kind of just as quickly forget it and move on to the, with the actual song that you're performing. But I couldn't find the video. It's, um, I, I'm not sure, I might have done it on video, but I'll tell you what, that, that's definitely on the Limehouse version of See the Light. Oh, it's that's Limehouse, what... isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, was, I was convinced in my head it was a YouTube one. I was trying to look, because obviously the Georgie videos that you got on there and the Phoenix with Deborah, I was like, it's not there. Mm. Why, why isn't it? Where have I heard it? But yeah, I remember you opening, um, it's the Limehouse ones, yeah. Yeah. And you, you play that little riff on it. I loved it. It's um, it's Dave Grusin is the original. Right. From, I think it's called. It might be called Cowboy Trail. It's, right. I mean, Dave Dave Grusin is just an absolute legend, and there's so much of stuff that he's been involved with. He was producer or writer that it's only when I, I kind of go back I, and I realise I'm just like, oh, that's why I really like it. Yeah. So there's. I remember when. So when I was like, when I was 14, I was drafted into a, an originals band. Um, which, and they're all like five, six years older than me, um, which is what I think why it kind of gave me the head start into some of the music that I like now. Because I was, I was, you know, literally hanging out with people that were turning twenty, and I was still an early teen. But um, they, they, there was a track. I remember this is like pre-internet. Um, do you remember the Master Cuts albums? Oh yes! Um, wow, yeah, yeah. So there was there was a Master Cut album being yeah, yeah like compilations yeah. essentially, weren't they? But um, there was a Master cuts album called Jap Jazz. It was all Japanese cuts. Nice. Um and I remember and it was it's a jazz FM thing. So I remember phoning up and having to pre- pretend to be my dad <laughs> so that I could use his credit card. I mean he, he was fine with it. He'd let me do it. But um and I remember at the time it's this is how old this is how old like long ago it was. I remember I bought it on cassette yeah, well. because the C D was that much more expensive. <laughs> so, so I had it on tape. Um but there was there was a there's a track on there called Nice Shot by Sadeo Watanabe, who's a Japanese mm. saxophonist. Wow. And it's like super smooth grooves, a bit kind of like George Benson 
breezing era kind of right. sound. And I remember at the time just going, this is just phenomenal. I absolutely love it. And years, years later, I'm talking like maybe like five years ago, I was like, oh, I remember that track. Let's have a listen to it. And then I go digging and looking at the, the credits and Dave Grusin's all over it. Wow. He's like produced it. He's helped write bits and pieces of the album. So it, it's really interesting that there's stuff that I, that I unconsciously really enjoyed when I was younger, but it's, there's obviously something deeper that I was kind of connecting to. It's only later on that I can connect the dots and kind of go, oh, that's why I really liked that. That's a, you know, and that's, that's a great point. It's a great feeling when you kind of are able to connect when you sort of, hey, I like this person now. And then you look back at all the things that they had done and you're like, oh my gosh, I've actually liked them for a really long time without yeah, knowing. Totally. But dude, yeah. you're on that list because I've got, oh, I've got my Ben West Beach CD in front of me. <laughs> Welcome to the best years of your life. And that's you wow. on like the best song on the album playing keys uh, on Hang Around. Like that's 2007. That's amazing. Yeah. That was so. Hang around was written in. Um, well, in fact, do you know? What? I don't think I'm even down as a writer on that because at that time, I think I think they paid me for the session. In fact, uh, which you know, in hindsight, fair enough. It's my it's my bad. But um, hang around was Ben. I'd, I'd met Ben because he lived in uh, in Hartford, where I was living, um, and we'd done some bits and pieces together. And then I think what happened is his single had already come out. Um, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember which one the single, first single was now. Yeah, um, a few. Was it so good today? So good today. That's the yeah. one. Sorry, I should know. I talked with him for like over a year. Oh, really? Um, awesome. Sorry, sorry, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so good today had been again had been played a lot on yeah. on uh, Charles Peterson, and I remember texting again. No, I didn't text him. I, I connected with him on MySpace again. MySpace, <laughs> what a legend. And um, and I went, mate, this song's great. Um, you know, if, if you ever want a keys player or want to do some stuff, let me know. Um, and so he came round to my house and, and and I played the session of Hang Around for him and he took that and that became the album. Um, but also around that time, he, yeah, I think I just sent him like a cheeky, cheeky MySpace message going, if you ever need a keys player for live, let me know. And he came back to me like the next day and went, oh, we're going to Paris next week. Do you want to come? <laughs> Can I just, I as like, a public service announcement for anyone listening who didn't use MySpace, that's not always how it worked. You, did, you, right. you couldn't always reach out to artists and say, hi, work with me. And they just <laughs> said yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, I should caveat by saying I already, I already knew the guy. So it's like, I love it's it. just that. Like, Rep life. Hi, let's work together. Sure, I'm coming <laughs> over. Ben Westbeach, hey, let's do this. Sure, Prince, what are you doing? Let's make some records. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear, yeah. Um, but no, that yeah, that that turned into yeah, basically a whole I'd like a year's worth of touring that record, um, and that and that was amazing. That took us around. Uh, I, was, I keep saying to friends now, it's like those you know those that in those days, no kids, wasn't married. Yeah. Um, you know, I was you know I was a good boy, but there's a lot of drinking involved, and I, I think there's places in Europe that I've been to that I can't remember. Um, but the things that I do remember, we went to we went to New York and we played a show in New York. We went to Japan twice, wow. um, and yeah, did, did a load of UK tour stuff. And also, I noticed actually on on your side, I'm not sure if, if it was you doing the show, but you did a feature on Jose James. Yes, that was me. Yeah. yeah. So, right, so Jose James had been signed to Brownsford at the yeah. same time as Ben. Mm. So so a lot of these gigs we were doing was with Jose. Oh, wow. So, and I remember that, I'll never forget this, actually. Uh, we went to, to New York, um, and everyone was a bit jet-lagged and didn't want to do stuff, uh, did too much stuff. But Jose, Jose 
texted me and went, are you up? I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, right, I'm going to take you to this. I'm going to take you to this like jazz joint. I was like, let's do this. So we're just kind of like walking the streets of New York. And he takes me to this underground bar, which is basically a jam session, right? And we, and we got in there and we sat down and had a drink. And literally right in front of me was Roy Hargrove God. playing the trumpet. Like literally like oh. a, a meter away from me. And the dude was playing his trumpet. He, he had his coat and his backpack on. He finished his number, put his trumpet away, and then and then he went. <laughs> and I was just like, that, that was that's really hard, right? It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, oh my god. And it was basically a load of the kind of jazz college kids and and players that would just come down to this 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 jam night and just play. It's yeah, and that's I'll never forget that night. That's that's an incredible night. That's a whole other podcast, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. God, I love yeah. Lizzie James as well. Oh. He's a legend. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't spoken to him for a while, but he's um, yeah, he's phenomenal, and he's such such a nice guy. Mm. Uh, yeah, we had we had a lot. Yeah, I think when we, when we went to Japan, he came as well. So hanging out with him there as well. Wow. I think the first time I saw him live at Jazz Cafe, he brought Ben West Beach on for a song or two as well. Yeah. Mm. So that you were probably there. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so Possibly. Cool. I mean, we yeah, Ben did. We did do some jazz cafe shows, but I, did, I don't know. I don't remember Jose. I mean, we did one. We did a live show that was broadcast live on One Extra, which was good fun. Um, yeah, and we done like the Made of Ale sessions, and you know, we did the Jules Holland show and stuff like that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's it. I feel, it feel like like a complete lifetime ago now. I can imagine though. Yeah, it must be amazing. Uh, to kind of have all that, uh, all those memories and that experience behind you—it's incredible. Well, some of the memories, some of them I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> is my, out of interest? Is MySpace still active? Well, I I heard a few years ago that Justin Timberlake had yeah, bought it. I remember. That's literally the, probably the last thing I ever heard about MySpace, though, in any news yeah. context. So I I keep meaning to just to just Google it and see, like, is it is it still active in any way? Yeah, is it just I'm adapted? not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I, I have a I have a kind of bittersweet thing with MySpace because I remember there was an artist that I followed who'd written this just incredible ballad. It's just, I think it's from Sweden, um, and I never made a note of who he was. So then when MySpace stopped, I just completely lost it. I can't remember who the guy is. I can't remember what the song goes like. Oh, I just no. remember that it was one of those songs that at the time I would just listen to over and over and over again. It was like a like a like a soul ballad, mm. really, really beautiful. Um, and I've got no idea what that song is. Uh, so yeah, I feel it. Yeah, it's always whenever I think of MySpace, I think of that song. Oh no! Is there a anything that you remember from the song? That would interest. No, not at all. Nothing, Just the no, fact no. it was it was it was uh, guitar and vocal. That's all I remember. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. One of those lost ones. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, uh, I have one final question for you, if I may. Sure. Um, yeah, is there, I don't want to be presumptuous, but uh, uh, if we sort of remove, I'll see you again from, from the options, because I imagine you may pick this one. Um, but is there a song or like a, a song or a remix, something you've produced for, you know, for Futuristica uh, over your lengthy uh, tenure of just awesome, awesome releases? Is there anything that really stands out where you kind of think, yeah, that one nailed it? Just out of interest, because there are so many. I remember, um, I mean, I, I could I could cite so many of your your remixes. I mean, your lately one for for Simon. Jeez, that's good. Gosh, that's good. 
There is a story behind that. Oh. If, you, if, you, if you still have time. I have time, my friend. Absolutely. Okay. So I remember Simon sending me the vocal and he sent me the wrong tempo. So he, I was like, what's the, what's the tempo? What's the BPM on this? And he sent me the wrong number. <laughs> so when I opened up my session, I put in the wrong number. And I was like, this, this just doesn't sound right. But I'd already kind of got into the, into the groove of what I thought I wanted to do. So I, I heavily chopped the vocal. Um, but yeah, the, the reason that it's, it has its own little vibe is because, um, I can't even remember, is it Nicola Kramer singing it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So N- Nicola's singing at like, I don't know, like 87 B- B- BPM and, and the track's at like 72 or something like that. Yeah. So all the phrases work so differently in the remix because ultimately Simon has told me the wrong tempo. <laughs> <laughs> I never let him forget that. It's so funny. But, you know, it's, it, you know, the magic happened though, didn't it? It's it like, really that's... did. Yeah. I, to me, I, I kind of really likened it to I'll See You Again in that you have I'll See You Again as this immaculate, flawless, perfect ballad and then the idea of remixing it and then me as a, as a fan, as a listener, is like, no, like, don't touch it. And then it's like you, you go the complete opposite and you present this hip-hop-inspired number that is just perfect. And then you have Lately, which, again, as an individual song, I, again, I adore Lately. Again, it's a mm-hmm. hip-hop song in essence, uh, you know, the, the production on it. And then you think, well, don't touch it. You can't remix it. But then you went the opposite way with the ballad kind of almost new soul perspective. And, again another flawless song that's kind of went the other way of i'll see you again in terms of the hip-hop and the ballads kind of vice versa sort of thing and yeah goes to show i know nothing about music no not at all the, the, <laughs> no one should ever the, tell me like no don't touch it don't touch it you just missed out on the best song in the world the i think the other thing is when so i'll see you again doesn't count because it was mine production to begin with but certainly with other stuff that simon sent me to remix i i deliberately ask him just to send me the vocal yeah so it's more often than not i've never heard the original right right um and 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 so that i make that part of the fun it's just like right i'm not influenced at all by what it is or what it was what i've got this vocal what do i think it should do um and that's generally where those remixes come from um certainly lately yeah i hadn't i hadn't heard the original at the time that he sent me the vocal um and i and i heard it as as like a ballad wow what did you, did you, do you remember hearing the original later? Yeah, I was just like, oh, it's that tempo. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> but is, it, well, is there a song, I guess, um, that you would kind of cite as something that you had done, or is, is that your pick, or like the emanative stuff, the La Note uh, track that you just uh, had for last year as well? I, so I, I think I will have to choose the I'll See You Again remix purely because I've got to give credit to my son, Ted, who I reckon might have been six at the time, possibly just turned seven. The whole second part of the groove of I'll See You Again is, is, is written essentially by Ted um, because he was in the studio at the time and I'd re-recorded, or sorry, I'd resampled part of the groove and just said, yeah, Know, press some press some keys Ted and, and he just came up with the magic that's, that's it's all him and I just played over the top of it amazing that's yeah, so that's, cool and he I'm, I'm, go on sorry no, exactly. does he have any concept of the genius work that he's been a part of he keeps holding out his hand as if I need to give him some money <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, uh like I said earlier on he 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 wants to come and do more so I'm, I'm it's honestly it just fills me with such joy like Zoe, my daughter's having piano lessons and she, she does kind of like triple threat, you know, 
stagecoach lesson stuff. Amazing. She's she's got a pretty good pretty good voice. Ted likes to produce, and you know he kind of, you know he really likes to play me music. Kind of like, Dad, what do you think of this? So I think it's only a matter of time before I'll have to give him his own login on the Mac. What is he be... creating music on that? Out of interest, what is he doing? He, he well, I, I'm using Logic, so right. he'll just come in and, and and use that with me with a bit of bit of guidance. But to be honest, I don't think it's long until he won't need me. Wow. <laughs> just just kind of get on with it. Right. He's he's pretty switched on. He's pretty switched on with stuff like that. With technology, I mean, kids are mad with technology anyway. Yes, right? amazing, but isn't it? He's um, I, yeah. I, I I don't think it'll be long before he'll be like, Dad, check this loop out. I've just made this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the phone's gonna ring, and it'll be like. <laughs> Simon Blake, all right, Mark, can I speak to Ted? Yeah, it will be. Like, what? Yeah, it's, you know, it's Ted there. It's Ted there. It's like, yeah, because Ted, Ted's not old enough to have his own phone. So I, he has to phone me. Oh, and he'll be taking his messages. Oh, oh God. That's it's, so it's inevitable, isn't it? It's inevitable. Well, I don't imagine you could be any prouder, though. So that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, oh, dude, this has gone. Yeah so quick i can't believe how much time's gone uh because keep it for another hour um thank you so much for your time i've 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 really had such a, a, a it's, it's been awesome i've wanted to talk to you for for quite a long time so uh i'm i'm thrilled it makes me doubly thrilled at the release of uh dark first light which my, my cd copy actually turned up uh probably like two hours before uh, i got to sat down got to sit down and talk to you which is really, oh, really well timed i got in quick on the pre-order and it literally has uh, arrived in a very late post, so um, I'm awesome. holding it in front of me now. So, thank you for supporting. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, uh, pleasure, man. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's awesome to see everything that the label and yourself, kind of just continually on this just amazing rise to just continual prominence, and it's just, uh, it's so well deserved. And um, yeah, it's just a, a kind of pleasure to sort of sit back and just watch everything happen for you guys. It's just amazing. So, congratulations yeah. to you all for everything. Thank you. Uh, we have mentioned about the uh, picking a closing song, uh, as we do for every kind of uh, episode. Is there a, a song that came to mind uh, for us to send everyone home happy with? Yeah, I, the, I did. I had a good think about this, and there is there's a track which, again, I, I only kind of caught on to about ten years ago, um, and and it's a track that I think it's got a really it's a, a wonderful message to it anyway. Um, certainly as, as I've got older it seems to resonate more but the production on it is just utterly ridiculous as far as I'm concerned and and, it, and it, when I tell you what it is you realize why it's it's Quincy Jones everything must change oh wow nice which is from the from the body heat album yeah which is Gosh. It, it's got there's so many facets to the rap to the to the track it, it, it's got this incredible I don't know who's singing folk it might be Pebo Bryson actually seemed to lead on it. I'm not can't quite remember, but it's incredible lead vocal, which then turns into this lush backing vocal arrangement, and then right in the middle, it just it just turns into this utter slow jam, mm. and and this and this muted trumpet solo against a uh, against like a moog line as well, wow. and then it comes out of that. It, it's just, it just it goes on this journey that just. I, I could listen to it forever. I think Amazing. It's, it, it has so many things that I that I aspire to to do in in my productions, um, and I think there's the stuff that I'm starting to do uh, for for the, the stuff that I'm writing for the next album and stuff that I've been doing with other artists. It has that kind of like 
an, a kind of organic feel to it and, and a, a, this kind of cinematic journey kind of element which this track definitely has and, and, I, and I hope to include in more of what I do uh, as, as, I, as I keep making stuff, amazing. And for your for the next album, you you know you mentioned the vocalist that you were hoping uh, that you you know you'd be securing obviously futuristica based vocalists for the uh, project. There'll be instrumental pieces in there as well, I take it, or yeah, there's I think it's but it's going to be a much heavier uh, ratio of vocals to instrumentals, right? So it's going to be more of a and and also it's it's I've, you know I've, I've, and Simon really laughs because I've basically written like a like a spreadsheet. Of, of what I think it is and what the track order can be. So I've really gone to town on right, it. Awesome. So, you know, I've, I've really thought about what kind of themes I want to, want to talk about and, and where I want it to go and what I want to talk about. It's, uh, yeah, it, Dark versus Light was, let's put a load of tunes together and, and see if it sticks. Whereas this one, I'm, I'm, I'm building from the ground up. So but vocalists are being sent tracks with, a, with, a, with a, like a pretty comprehensive set of notes going this is what i think it's about um so if you could write something that's kind of in this vein that'd be great thanks very much mm. amazing i can't wait to hear it it sounds incredible i think you've got the, you found the storyteller kind of mode in, in use in yourself now haven't you with your music so it's um... I th- yeah i mean i, I don't think I'd, i wouldn't have done it on my own it's only by working you know with the stuff i've been doing with deb and and and, and nathan i mean nathan's such a great storyteller anyway mm. it's, it's just kind of like really listening into what they do and, and, and but also kind of digging into that as i say the, the more kind of like cinematic element of of of, of, of writing that i that i really enjoy um it's not just going to be beats it's going it's going to have some other elements which which yeah quite excited actually i think i think it could be quite interesting amazing that's so cool dude i honestly i'm super excited to kind of hear what you come up with it's going to be amazing Rain comes from the clouds 
Coming back. 